Hello and welcome to the Endurance Coach Podcast. My name is Mark Laithwaite and I'm here today with my co-hosts, ultra runner and sports psychologist, Dr. Ian Bordley, and also with sports injury specialist, Mike James, aka the Endurance Physio. Each week, we'll be telling you what's new in the world of endurance sports. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show and we'll be discussing how you can reach your true potential on race day. So sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 31 of the Endurance Podcast. And this week we are delighted to be joined by triathlete Lizzie Rayner, winner of last weekend's Outlaw Half in Nottingham. Lizzie finished the 70.3 course in in a breathtaking four hours, 35 minutes and 56 seconds to take on both the 25 to 29-year-old age group category and the overall female race, also finishing in the top 100 overall. Welcome and a massive congrats, Lizzie. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, first question: How's the recovery going? It's a couple of days post race. How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, still quite sore, not as bad as yesterday, but um, yeah, definitely. Because it's my first seventy point three, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, uh, definitely very sore, quads, uh, glutes, calves mainly. And yesterday, I felt like I had a massive hangover. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just trying to chill out as much as possible. Yeah. And I think that's what I, um, that's something I'd love to dive into. And I know it will be itching away with Ian and his psychology background is the fact that that performance was on your debut 70.3. I'm really fascinated in the preparation for it physically, but also mentally. What was your expectations? What was your plan during the race then how did that change were you know was the unknown a good thing was the unknown a bad thing and really just I guess let you take us through the the few days before and the plans before the that happening on the day and then reflections afterwards yeah so I was meant to do my first one last year at Bowood Outlaw um but I just had for three four years just played with injury um so coming into this year, it was just going to be like a brand new year. We're going to really, my my whole aim for this year was just to gain experience at the distance and then maybe potentially have a crack at getting my license next year because I did always have the goal of being becoming a pro. Um, so coming into this race, um, I think just no, we, we didn't really have any expectation. I think I'd maybe put a little bit on, I always put, pressure on myself but also I just I thought maybe I could achieve the top five um but also I've been out in Spain living in Spain working quite a lot um so I just didn't really you know training's not as been consistent not been as consistent as it could have been um but yeah coming to the race again Harry didn't put any my coach didn't put any pressure on me just we had a few targets in mind for paces and whatnot um but it was just sort of run your own race and see just do the paces you know you can do and kind of see what happens as a result of that um 
and yeah I mean he said yesterday that I exceeded expectations for you know the result and all all three legs and I mean to be honest for me it can I don't think it could have gone obviously there's bits I've now picked apart and <laughs> um but for my debut I don't really think it could have gone better to be honest um so yeah really happy with that Ian I'm sure you've got something on that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, especially the last comment was interesting where you said that you've already started to pick it apart. I always find that really interesting because um, just the, the, the amount of time that that takes between obviously a really good performance and one that you're really happy with, but it's just, it's almost part of the uh, endurance athlete mindset, isn't it, that you very quickly start to turn around and sort of um, look at the factors um, that you could improve in the future. But I, I'll probably come to that and in a little while, I'm just also interested in what you're saying around sort of the goal setting and the targets that you set for yourself. Um, was that an overall target or was it for the individual legs? And also, how were you sort of monitoring that during? Were you looking at any data or was it mainly on field? Yeah, so it wasn't, we didn't really have an overall outcome goal. It was base per leg. Um, swim, we hadn't really, we hadn't really spoken about it Um I think swim, it's quite hard to <laughs> know your pace and have a target to sort of get comfortable, really. Um, I didn't actually enjoy the swim at all. Coming from a swimming background, it was, I find that frustrating. But um, And then the bike, we'd set um, a power target. Um, so to try and aim, I think the goal was 230 watts normalised. Um but actually, it was quite, um, so I was trying to keep an eye on that, but it was, I think I ended up doing about 205 normalised. So it's quite a lot less than what I'd been hoping for. Um, but the speed was fairly good. And also I definitely biked a bit more conservatively because I was just, you know, knowing that you have to get off and run a half marathon um, and knowing that's probably my strength. Um, I knew I wanted to bike a bit more conservatively to, save it for the run so I wasn't too bothered I never panicked I never so I'm just going to do my own thing and um you know I think we learned that from watching the Ironman world champs that people like Lionel Sanders and you know they just and uh Christian Blumenfeld just focus on your own race and you know it'll it'll happen um and then for the run we said around to aim for 410 to 415 kilometer pace uh, I think I averaged 414, so that was pretty good. Um, and then also just trying to, we obviously had nutrition goals through in, uh, in the bike and the run, um, so trying to focus on that as well. Um, but, yeah. So it's sort of a, a mixture of, sort of performance goals and, and process goals as well then in terms of sort of the nutrition. And, mm. and did that, that went quite well, did it, in terms of the sort of nutrition plan? Yeah, really well. I took on about 90 grams an hour on the bike. So I had a bottle with uh, a bottle with 160 grams of carbs in it on the back, um, a 500 ml bottle with some precision hydration electrolyte in, and then took three gels on top of that. Um, so that hit all of that, which is great. Um, but then on the run, I could only manage two gels. But to be honest, I was starting to feel a bit of a stitch. So I thought I'm, you know, it's about halfway through and I thought I'll be okay by now. I'll just grab some Coke when I can. It's probably the bike that's most critical, isn't it? Getting, making sure that you're getting in and that's the, the big opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, and knowing I'd hit, hit those numbers, you know, I knew I had 
I was in a good place for the run, so wasn't too worried about that. And two gels are still pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in terms of sort of, so you had this power target on the bike, but uh, you were obviously aware while you were riding that you were a bit below that, but you were, you were obviously going by how you were feeling as well and not being affected too much by what was going on around you. Yeah, I was really um, sort of surprised myself actually. Stayed quite quite calm. I like, didn't panic that the numbers weren't there. Um, and then yeah, just wasn't really sure. I had a bit of a kerfuffle before the swim start where I forgot my chip massive rookie error so I was running around trying to find my mum trying to find my chip so um but actually uh yeah that really calmed down quite quickly after that and then but basically I didn't get to the swim start that I wanted to um so I had to swim a bit extra instead of getting on the first pontoon I had to swim from the third so I think I had about 20 extra meters to swim um so I didn't know where I was in compared to the other girls on the bike but picked I think I picked two girls off on the bike and then just I was pretty much just happy just to sit in my own space and I was like, I've just got to stay present here and know that, you know, if I can have a good run, you can really make your day. And it did for me. So um, I was just looking forward to that really. Cause I knew I'd, you know, getting off the bike and feeling awful is a horrible feeling, especially for 21 K. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm interested because obviously you would, um, so what position did you go out on the run in? Because you had this sort of idea of a sort of maybe a top five, Oh, yeah so I think I was fifth out of the water but obviously it's a time trial start so I don't know um and then third off the bike and then one of the girls in front of me dropped out on the run so I was in second and then about halfway through the run I took the girl in first so you you I'm assuming that on the run you were just focusing on having the best run you could have and not really you know, not settling basically for, for second place because obviously you're probably already over uh, above expectation are you at this point yeah because um, someone someone yelled to me on the bike that I was in third and I was like mm, yeah I'd be happy with that <laughs> um but then I got into the run but I was to be honest again I was never really intent on hunting anyone down I was just um you know I felt really good off the bike and I think I've always had that in all the triathlons I've done I've always had the ability to run really well off the bike and first 10k was really good and I just thought actually if I can continue this um you know it'll probably happen naturally um I had my mum and a friend of mine there and they were just giving me a few updates about um you know where this girl was in front and they said she was running good like 30 seconds per k slower than me so I was like I'm just gonna it's a long way to go just got to tick it off and <laughs> keep keep plodding along <laughs> yeah no uh, obviously it worked well and I think there's there's a lot to to see in the sort of the way you're quite flexible so you had your goals but you're quite flexible in terms of at times you were sometimes not quite on uh, on the target in terms of the power but then in terms of your outcome you know not so much like clear objective of a top five but that you've got that idea in your head that's not constraining you either so and that's the important thing about goals it gives you direction motivates you but you don't want to be too held to them because sometimes it can lead you to underperform other times it can lead you to um, overstretch yourself can't it um so yeah. that, that seems to have worked out well um I, i've got one or two questions about i've got a few questions about sort of preparation and also the future but i didn't know if mike had any other questions while we're still on sort of the race itself yeah i have actually which have just come out of of the last little bit but the, the thing that 
really strikes me, Lizzie, on, on the performance side of it was the maturity that you showed in the race. And even the way you're describing it now, there was just this calmness, like a, an old head, basically, on those young shoulders that, that just seemed to be in control of what you were doing. Something I'm fascinated by was when you took the lead, did that change your psychology at all? Did you then, was it running scared? Was it, well, as long as I keep going, I know I'm dropping at every sort of K. How, how did your thinking change when you took the lead on the run? Um, I don't, I don't think it did really. Um, I think I just, yeah, I really just managed to stay quite calm and collected and knew that the pace that I was running would be enough to, you know, pull away. And even it got to the last lap. Um, so I'd overtaken her about a lap, it's three laps. So I'd overtaken her about a lap and a half. So when I got onto the third lap, um, I was, it was actually quite a hot day. Forecast was rain and we got sun. <laughs> um, and at this point, you know, I was starting to feel a bit rough. So I thought, but I knew I had enough of a gap that I could even stop and walk through the aid stations just to make sure I got, had a bit of coke, threw some water on my head. Um, and, you know, looking back, I probably never would have done that before, but I knew that I had that gap. And at this point, times didn't really matter. It was just about taking the win and, um, yeah, holding on to that. So, um, but yeah, I don't think anything really changed, to be honest. Um, just probably felt a bit more excited, but... <laughs> didn't yeah I didn't feel the need to speed up or anything mm. and the other thing that, that jumped off was was I think we always hear that you know the, the true elites the best triathletes out there are the ones that have no weaknesses they're consistently good in all three disciplines but you've already alluded to that there's the strength is the run and everything is trying to preserve and conserve enough to make that still your strength have you had to really work hard to control that? Is there a temptation to push harder on the bike and it's hard for you to control it? How's the preparation and the thinking been to, to make sure that you're consistently good in all three disciplines, but still have that ace in the pack for the run? Yeah, I mean, running's always been the one where I've had injury. Um, so, I mean, even now I don't, I don't run a huge amount. Um, I think since I've been in Jordan, I've been able to do a lot more riding and I think I've tried to switch the focus a bit more because the bike's always been my weakness having come to that I grew up as a swimmer just ran at uni came to the bike a bit later um so that's always been my weakness but you know the people like Kat Matthews always say that they work so hard on their bike because your biking helps your running but your running doesn't help your biking I'd much rather train consistently 40 to 50k a week on the run um then you know train well for what's happened in previous years train a bit more for like six months and then break for six months <laughs> um so I think but I've also come to realize that I've always wanted I've always I think most endurance athletes are always want to do more and always pushing to do more but actually knowing that my best running has come out of probably 50k a week max um and with a bit more biking um so yeah, it's not really, it's not, running's never, hasn't really taken the priority or anything. It's, I think, um, yeah, I've tried to put more hours in on the bike to help the run and to help the bike. So um, yeah, just tried to look at it like that, really. Now, you mentioned um, Girona a couple of times and, and obviously something that's added to the success of last weekend is this relatively recent life change. T tell everyone a little bit about the last six, eight months of your life. 
Yeah, so I've been, since January, been working for Canyon SRAM, the women's uh, world tour team. Well, not the world tour team. I've been working for, this year they created a, it's called the generation team. And it's like UCI Conti level. Um, so it's a younger group of athletes from all over the world. So we've got um, a girl from Paraguay, Jamaica, Rwanda, a um, couple of Germans. Um, and basically it's, yeah, it's like a sub team of the women's world tour team. So I've been working as their um, like sports rehabber, um, Sonia, going to races. Um, and yeah, they basically said to do this job, you have to move to Girona. <laughs> and I was at the point in my life where, I was like, actually, I could do that. I've got nothing really, nothing really at home holding me back. Um, as I said to you before, that actually came up, I applied for the job because I was unsuccessful in applying for my master's in physio. Um, and I just thought, you know, I need something new. I need a change of scene. I need to get out of Wiltshire. Um, and so, yeah, I've been in Girona, which has just been like, everyone seems to be there. You know, you've got Jan Fredino, Vince Louis, like, all the best triathletes in the world and it's just been incredible like it's just really has sparked my desire to go for the pro thing um because it's you just you're just so motivated all the time mm. i think that's where it all went wrong for me because lizzie and i did our sports rehab degree in the same uni and then i was bloody successful with my masters and it ruined my performance career that's the, <laughs> that's the excuse i'm going to hang on to um but, but a fascinating insight when you work with that group to help you as your own, from your own athletic background. Yeah, 100%. Um, everything really from training to nutrition to recovery and especially you look at stage races where the goal is basically just to recover as quick as possible because you've got, you know, another 130k to do the next morning at 9am. It's, it's brutal. Um, it's a really tough sport. I could never, I could never do it. Sure. No, we're we're asked a lot, um, and then I'll hand over to Ian on the prep side because it's linked to this. We get asked a lot by listeners when we get athletes on, try and find out about their typical training week. Now, obviously, we've already alluded to that because of work and other things going on. Your training week's probably a little bit atypical to what most athletes would do. Yeah, so we typically race every weekend. Um, so I probably have five days in Girona where um, I do also have to work, but it's it's quite flexible. I can do it in my own, you know, I can choose when to do it basically. Um, but that's pretty much, so I pretty much train, I'd say probably five days a week because then I go away and I have to work. And in the beginning, I tried to train as well, but just realized that just was not a good idea and just adding stress on top of stress. Um and the job's quite physically and mentally, it's really hard work. Um, and I just knew that I was just burning the matches at both ends. So so my typical training week is probably, um, so five days a week in drone, probably five, five swims, um, four bikes, four runs, two gyms, really. Um, so it probably ends up being, it's around, around 20 hours over the five days um so yeah and by default becoming a, a typical 5-2 training week yeah 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 which is actually fine actually because it means I can go a bit harder with training in the week and then while we're away at racing um you know I can as I said to you like we've got these really long drives that we do and actually just flipping that on 
its head because before I was like oh god I've got to sit down for six hours and I want to be moving and I'm like actually it's recovery <laughs> um yeah yeah Ian yeah just uh interesting that you mentioned there in terms of that you sort of alluded to the, the maybe just slightly higher quality because you're not doing training seven days or six days a week uh and maybe doing a little bit less volume uh that, that was a question I was about to, to ask you mentioned that you sort of do 40 to 50k running a week so what, what's the major the main focus of that what does that look like in a week is it mainly quality um so I'll do probably one longer session so 60 to 70 minutes um normally tempo um kind of efforts so something like uh five or six times 2k or you know something like that um those more sort of 70 aimed at 70.3 type um intervals um and then the rest of it's pretty much easy i might do one sort of fartlek run where i might do 15 minutes easy then 10 or 20 minutes of 30 on 30 off um just to get a bit of that turnover um but then yeah a long run that's probably an hour and a half um but yeah most of it's easy and I've really just learned to take easy as well just not there's no point pushing it I'd rather have you know I want those sessions to be really good quality so just to back off on on the easy stuff and actually just you end up enjoying it more and you know if you've got a hard bike or swim that day as well you know you can put more into that because you've just chilled on the run and the long run, that, that hour, hour and a half effort, that's easy pace, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's just long aerobic. Um, in Girona, it's really cool because there's loads of trails, um, which I'm trying to stay away from in the summer because it's just basically all up for quite a long time and then just all down. And I just found my tendons were getting quite, <laughs> quite aggravated with all of that. But it's quite a lot of soft surfaces to run on. That's what I try and do for most of my easy runs. And anything off the bike on the run? Yeah, um, coming leading up into a race, I'll probably probably just do one a week. Um, hard, hard, hard bike, and then so something like um, trying to think what I did before Nottingham. Uh, one session I did do was uh, three by three by 30 minutes but it was 10 minutes at zone three 10 minutes at sweet spot 10 minutes at zone three times three and then um like a 5k you know 5k race pace runoff or like 3k 2k 1k that kind of thing yeah that sounds like quite a, a specific session but also quite a, quite a hard session i'd imagine that yeah <laughs> yeah you're like, a bit broken after that <laughs> yeah you definitely want a couple of days uh, recovery after that yeah um, you mentioned coming from a swim background um so is that do you sort of de-emphasize that a bit in your training because of that or do you try and sort of capitalize on that um I've actually really struggled with my swimming since being away I'm not too sure what it is um I think when we were on we so when I first started the job in January we were on training camps in Mallorca and then Valencia and there was just no real opportunity to swim and I think maybe it's just taken me also it's, it's been a long time since I've swum in a 50 meter pool which is what you've got in Girona which is great but also it's it makes you feel like everything's a bit more of a struggle um so I've tried to really 
bring that volume back up because when I was at home, I was training with a squad. And I think that's probably the only thing about Girona that unless you're in one of these elite ITU squads, there isn't really anything. So you have to do a lot of it on your own. And I think I've really struggled with that because at home I was with a master's squad in Swindon and um, that was just, that was amazing because the, like, the speed work you get is just, you can't do that on your own. Um, so that's definitely been a bit of a struggle for me. Um, but I think just, again, having patience with it and knowing that it'll come and just getting that consistency and ticking off every session. And, you know, it does come quite naturally to me, but I've just definitely struggled a bit with my speed um, over the last few months. Um, it's been quite frustrating, but again, just have to turn up to the pool every day and, you know, it'll get there. It'll get back to where it was, where I want it to be. But I guess coming from that background, you might set quite high standards for yourself in terms of the swim. And yeah. Not hitting those might still allow you to be at a level where you can compete, but you might not be happier. Yeah. And also just being known as the person that, you know, grew up as a swimmer and, you know, cause quite a lot of triathletes don't. And, you know, you're either normally a, sw- a runner or a cyclist that comes into swimming because of triathlon. And I think you almost have that pressure that when you've grown up swimming, you should be at the front of the pack. Um, so yeah it was um we'll see it'll, it'll get back there <laughs> yeah it's, it's true it's interesting that you mentioned that that sort of expectation that comes with whichever one is seen as your sort of dominant leg mm. but i guess the benefit is that you don't feel that pressure once you get on the bike so yeah yeah exactly yeah. um it's interesting that you mentioned not having the opportunity to train with squads in the swim because i was going to ask about that on the bike um, it, it, because you're with the team, uh, because they're racing, I guess maybe there's less opportunity to, to train with them. Do, do you have people? Um, yes, I mean, I've got quite a few. I've got a few triathlon friends in Girona, um, and I have cycled with um, some of the girls on the World Tour team. Um, and I could train with the girls that I work with, but also it, it's work. It's sort of when you're, you know, you spend all weekend with them, when you're back in Girona, you kind of want to have that time. And um, I don't really mind doing the bike stuff on my own, to be honest. Like I can always hit the numbers. And as long as I can find someone for a long ride midweek at some point, then uh, like, yeah, it's okay. But yeah, certainly I think I do miss that squad environment. So I think it, especially with the run as well, but it also allows me not to get carried away. Like I think when I just ran at uni and obviously St Mary's is a big big running uni um you know you'd go out on your easy runs and I'd get sometimes get back and my coach would say why are you running at 445 so I guess just too quick uh, too slow for an easy run um whereas here you know in Girona I can control everything myself and um I think I'm quite good on my own but I think you do still need people to push you um I have got a friend in Girona and we try and do we have got different coaches so when our schedule matches up we try and do stuff together but um yeah definitely miss especially for swimming <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's good to have that balance isn't it because I think if you're always training with other people it can bring challenges in a race when it's just you um but also yeah. uh, especially for the like you mentioned the long bike rides it's, it's good to have company for those isn't it um yeah yeah um so I've got one or two other things that I'd like to ask about sort of uh, past race experiences, how that sort of tied in with this one, but also what you might have done to sort of build confidence leading into this. But I don't know if you might, uh, have you got any questions sort of on the prep 
uh, and training before we saw. Just the last one, really, that um, Lizzie's a member of the T3 Tri team. She's coached by Harry Palmer, which is 70.3 royalty in its own right. And, and just the dynamic in a couple of ways that having someone with such a unique experience of that discipline, how does that help? And then age-wise, he's relatively similar to you as a coach-athlete relationship. Normally, we would um, anticipate a wider range. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? What's the dynamic there between the two of you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a really, really good relationship, actually. We've certainly had our challenges, and I think because we are friends as well, um, sometimes that can get in the way a little bit, and it can get a bit emotional. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I'm very lucky to have him. We've gone through quite a lot together, and... Um, yeah, and as I said to you, he's only six six months older than me. Um, but sometimes, from like a coach perspective, sometimes he just feels like he's like five, ten years older. The just the maturity, the experience, the knowledge is just next level. And I just think he's just such a fantastic coach. I'm really, I'm very lucky to be honest. Um, so yeah, and that's you know seeing what he's done for himself and his own racing experience. Um, it must be quite hard for him to have he's got quite a few athletes and you know to have also still you know he's at the start of his career um you know to be able to have to focus on his pro racing as well as us lot <laughs> he did call me a pain in the ass a few times but <laughs> um yeah it's a it's a really really good relationship um we've been he's been coaching me for I think three years now so uh you know hope that continues <laughs> Assume when you were UK based, it was a lot more in-person coaching, and obviously now with Girona, it's more online. Yeah, as the dynamic shifted at all there. Yeah, so when I was in the UK, we we probably see each other quite a lot. Harry's was based in Bath. I'm in Malmesbury in North Wiltshire, um, but we'd always make the effort to um, go running, riding on weekends. Um, we'd also try and do quite a few team events um just like weekend camps and um and yeah it's it's been in Girona it's quite it's, yeah I mean we we talk we talk on the phone probably once a week but we probably chat every day to be honest um I did catch up with him last week which was where I actually fitted a bigger chain ring to my bike which <laughs> was really kind of him um uh but yeah I definitely I think I'd miss that in person just you know having a long ride to catch up and yeah I think those those long rides are quite important, you know, conversations flows and you end up, I think I could probably have better conversations on the bike rather than over a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> that was all from me, Ian. Okay, great. That's yeah, I was, so there's a couple of things that um mentioned early on that I thought would be good to um, sort of re reflect on. Um, you mentioned, uh, obviously, from your description of the race, this sort of uh, calmness that you experienced it seemed you know through, through most of the race um, even when you took the lead which is um, I, I was interested in that qu question and, and your answer in particular because that's usually a point where people might experience some sort of change in the mindset and the, the, the emotions they experience so I was wondering if that was is that normal for you in a race experience in terms of that calmness um, or was that a little bit different? No I think it really blew me away actually and even now it's not ever it's not something you can practice or it's not something you could ever envision, you know, because in the moment you've no idea really how you're going to feel. 
and it's not ever it wasn't ever my plan I just I, I don't know I had a few people come up to me afterwards and say in transition just how relaxed and focused I looked and I think I was just so you know over, over a longer distance you've got obviously got a bit more time so things like transition isn't such a mad rush and you know I was like I'm just gonna slow down because at the end of the day you rush you make mistakes it's not it's not worth it um but no it's not I think maybe because it was my first one I just had no pressure no time well yeah no real time goal to be honest um no expectation really nothing to compare myself to um and even you know I was racing against some good athletes I wasn't ever really I had a few moments where I was you know wondering what they were doing or uh, you know if I was doing the right thing but um yeah it was uh, I was quite surprised at that to be honest not not typically known as a, a calm, uh, <laughs> calm, relaxed individual. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, a couple of things you said there are interesting. Obviously, that uh, first time at sort of that distance probably does help in terms of, like you say, there's it, it, less pressure, less expectation. You've got nothing to compare to. But um, also, I think you sort of the goals that you set. You mentioned this earlier, but I didn't really pick up on it. But there was no overall objective, but you did kind of have objectives for the individual legs. So it's gives you a focus for the individual legs but if one leg doesn't go particularly well and you don't it doesn't everything's not critical uh, and dependent on that you can then move on to the next do you think that was that helpful yeah definitely and Harry and I you know like I did ask him I said should I have a time in mind and he's like no I think we'll just focus on each leg and you know if you can put those three together as we've planned then you'll have a good overall and I never really thought about the overall time or I was like maybe like four and a half hours would be a pretty good time but I wasn't ever really, I wasn't checking my watch you know to make sure I was on on track for that really uh, how did you feel when you looked at the clock as you were running down the finish shoot um yeah I was just I don't know really <laughs> um didn't I was like yeah it's a good good place to start <laughs> uh you know under five is pretty pretty good and almost got that four and a half so <laughs> yeah good yeah a really good place to start I think so yeah happy that uh, I guess it's tantalized isn't it that uh, that next sort of uh, target in terms of the sort of what, being quite close to it but not uh, close enough that you can set an objective around it uh, yeah but not yeah really that it feels as though it's unachievable um and how we I know this was your first race at this distance but how recently had you raced uh, my last triathlon was June last year, <laughs> and my yeah, only no. triathlon last year. <laughs> okay, because so, uh, obviously, um, quite a, it, it, there's a lot of calmness there, but it feels as though you you were quite relaxed but confident around your performances as well. So um, often, some of that confidence comes from races. Did do, do you race uh, sort of on the bike or running or you know, individual? Um... No, I don't think I've done anything. I did because I did um, standard distance at Eton Dorney last. So that was the race in June. Um, and I won that and I was pretty happy with my times there. Actually, I think that was probably the best race I've ever done. Um, and then I think, well, then I, following that, I had a stress response in my tibia. Um, so that took me out for a while. And then I think I did a 10 mile TT on the bike, but. I actually think that was pretty much it because I was like, I just need to turn my focus to training. And I think for quite a long time, I was, I'd always had this goal of I wanted to go sub 80 in the half marathon. And and then I remember I had a conversation with Harry and he was like, look, you're, you're a triathlete. You're not 
a runner anymore you're not you need to focus on triathlon and I always found that going for those individual goals especially for the running um I just ended up putting way too much focus on it and ended up breaking um so yeah does that answer your question (laughs) Uh, that last point in particular is really interesting because um we've talked about this a lot in the past because obviously the races that you're doing and how much you race but also um, the, the distance you're racing at, but the objectives you set can influence the training that you do. And uh, if you do yeah. set those, those, often something like cross country can be quite good because you don't necessarily yeah. set targets for that. You just go and race and you get the intense workout, but you're not hanging yourself against a particular time goal. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I did, I've done quite a lot of cross country, but you know, every winter I get around to it, and I'm like, oh, great, I'm going to do loads of cross country this winter. But actually, um, I love cross country, but I'm just a terrible cross country runner, um, and I've got really hyper mobile ankles, so I just I just can't run in a straight line on the mud. And as much I love it, but then that would just I'd have so such bad doms in my perineals and my calves, like for the week after the race, it would just impact training. And I thought, you know, I just I can't do this anymore because I could, you know, my focus just could be on really good base miles over the winter. <laughs> I'm not sure what the cross country um, seasons are like in Girona either. Is there, is there much cross I don't. I think absolutely no idea. I think probably non-existent. <laughs> no, that's uh, so. It, it sounds like you you're gaining your confidence from from your training mainly. Then, um, uh, yeah, it's just been yeah, that's been my focus. Just put my head down and also just not book in too many races. And I think I've only got three in this year at the moment, just because I wanted to train just gain experience at the distance and really just gain confidence from that and I have always said I enjoy training more than racing um and I just wanted to use that especially being in Girona yeah no is it um it's quite a good segue that because that it'd be quite in, well you, I, I said I'd come back to something earlier on you said about sort of you started picking apart the performance um I wondered what's what sort of things you focused on but also how that sort of involves what you're planning to do in the future or whether you've started to make that link yet it's quite soon isn't it yeah um well I had a chat with Harry yesterday um just we left it like 24 hours just to have a bit of think and enjoy it um I think obviously I'm really annoyed about the chip thing at the start that was just such a stupid you know I think we'd got to the venue about 50 minutes before my start but actually I don't think I've ever done such a big event and you kind of forget how long transition is and how many people there are around and so I was just I was a little bit stressed and a bit sort of running around and you know you look at the queues for the portaloo and (laughs) um and uh it's just like my wetsuit on and everything and then I just have to run down to the swim start and so I think things like that I'm just I'm always quite good at giving you know trying to get there really early but I've decided that 50 minutes was just not enough so we're going to get there even earlier next time um and then again I think it probably that stress didn't help the swim I just didn't enjoy the swim one bit um and then uh yeah I think I was a bit disappointed with the bike to be honest um but also did it mean I had a really good run you know (laughs) it's hard to so it wasn't really, not really a criticism. It's, I think, just a good, a good place to start. And then um, I think the run was pretty good for me, to be honest. Like I, my pace did drop, but, you know, not more than 10, 10 seconds per K. And I think that's 
probably quite a normal thing I was trying not to beat myself up too much that it was dropping I think it would happen to anyone <laughs> um so yeah just a few things but um again just stuff to work on and a really solid base and actually I'd I did get start to get some quite um I thought it was gonna get a really bad cramp in my quads on the run um so I was trying to figure out a bit whether we do anything differently next time because I took on quite a lot of electrolyte on the bike um so I'm not entirely sure whether it was just a bit more of the heat whether I may, maybe needs a bit more um water on the bike or but again just just little things really nothing nothing went disastrously wrong apart from the chip but <laughs> you learn yeah and uh, but but you you mentioned there about your pace on the run slowing, but you were still within that sort of four ten to four fifteen pace target. So I guess you were maybe a little bit quicker yeah, earlier on, yeah. but there's less need to take risks towards the end as well, I would assume. Yeah, I set out um, really tried to control it in the early part. I just thought you know it's still quite a long way. Um, first ten k was probably around probably around four oh five to four ten. Um, didn't didn't feel like that. Um, Look at my heart rate afterwards it says otherwise but um and then probably dropped down to about 420s 425 um there's a roaring headwind along one of the straights and there's this little out and back you have to do which is just completely saps you of energy because it's grass gravel tight corners up and down and it's oh not this again <laughs> um but yeah my overall pace stayed pretty within within target so yeah happy with that yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and th- those are the two races that you mentioned that you've you've already got in the diaries. But which ones are those? So I'm doing the European seventy point three champs in Denmark in on the twenty sixth of June, and then um, I'm actually going to do my first fingers crossed my first pro race as seventy point three Portugal on the sixteenth of October. Um, I was going to do that race anyway, but I had a chat with Harry last night and he thinks I should take my license September time, do that as my first pro race. And then we've got a really good place to start. And then we know what we have to build on over the winter. And, you know, with, you know, looking ahead to things like sponsorship and everything, it's quite a good place, you know, to have, you've done your first pro race already and have the winter to, you know, build on it, you know, what you have to work on and, to kind of see where you stand already so um that's really exciting um don't know if I'll fit anything else in to be honest um I don't think I can with work and I don't really want the extra stress to be honest uh, I think three would be fine for my first year um so it's more about the training and the experience to be honest yeah no it sounds like um you're still allowing lots of time sort of between races to uh to, to focus on the training and, and just really target those individual races um and anything that you wanted to add in on sort of future plans mike or anything no else? it was really just with the pro license popping up earlier and lizzie's answered it was with my thoughts were just how does that change the future but you explained that perfectly um something i did jot down so we we often by default when we're when particularly when it's the three of us without a guest and we're chatting about themes we tend to zone in on the mistakes people make and it's really nice to have someone uh, operating at your level to then reinforce some of the stuff we've said previously that don't race too much. You know, you can't race everything that you yeah, want to race. You've got to prioritize them. And then that training has to be prioritized on those race goals. 
we certainly see so many athletes that pick a calendar of races that are very, you know, all over the place. They don't lack any any sort of specific goal and try to fit their training to the amount of races that they're doing. And obviously yeah. you're a really good example of, of showing that the other way. I guess in wrapping up from us, really, it's are there any uh, sponsors or supporters that you wanted to give a shout out to? Yeah, so um, obviously T3, my team, we're really heavily supported by Saddleback, which is awesome. Um, and also a brand that um, support the team is Precision Fuel and Hydration. They've been awesome. Um, and then personally, um, Dyer Street Clinic, who you know, Mike, um, they, Sarah Fellows um, there, she sponsored me all of last year. We've been through quite a lot together, quite a lot of injury. Um, yeah, she, they've, they've been incredible. She's been awesome. Um, and then also just a quick shout out to Lake 32 in the Southwest, which a lot of you will know it's quite becoming quite a big thing in the, and especially over the lockdown of, you know, all the cold, cold water swimming that <laughs> kicked off. And, um, you know, I think it could be such a huge hub for a triathlon and um, it's somewhere it's quite local to me and they've, um, they've supported me and um you know it's just such an incredible place and certainly the place probably one of the places I miss the most when I'm in Girona actually um because I haven't really got any open water certainly not like that and it's probably one of the friendliest places in the world to be honest <laughs> no, I completely second that we, we used to live in Swindon and uh 10 years ago when I was training for my channel swim I spent so many hours in Lake 32 and you're right fantastic place fantastic people Brilliant, yeah, and they've, they've gone through a massive rebrand over the, probably probably since lockdown, to be honest. Um, Dan, who runs the lake, and he does incredible things. Um, you know, they've put on so many events now, night swims, charity events. They have live music. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's probably one of my favourite places, to be honest. Mm. And a good place to leave the water and head off for a bike or a run as well. Yeah, yeah, really good, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then for anyone listening who's inspired by you and wants to follow your journey or any potential sponsors for this pro license, um, how can people follow you? Where, where should they check you out? Um, best place is probably Instagram, um, which is at Lizzie Rayner 97, uh, which is obviously the year I was born. <laughs> um, and then t- I think Twitter is just at Lizzie Rayner. So, yeah, probably the best. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for giving up your time so soon after the race. We know you've, you've got a busy lifestyle and a lot of important people to catch up with. Um, congratulations again. What an achievement. The yeah, best of you. luck moving forward. And um, and it will be awesome to maybe get you back on 12 months time. See yeah. how that next year's panned out. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and and good luck with everything. Anything else, yeah. Ian, from you? No, no, nothing to add. I agree with what you said, Mike, in terms of this. There's lots of things reinforcing a lot of the messages that we've put out in the past and particularly around goal setting as well and using goal setting to benefit you and not something to sort of hold yourself to um, during a performance. No, it's a really interesting interview and yeah, congratulations again. Best of luck. For the Thank future. you so much. Thank you for having me on. Brilliant. Take care, Lizzie. Thank you.